When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so that they might go and anoint Jesus' body. And very early on the first day of the week, when the sun had risen, they went to the tomb. They had been saying to one another, who will roll away the stone for us from the entrance to the tomb? When they looked up, they saw that the stone, which was very large, had already been rolled back. As they entered the tomb, they saw a young man dressed in a white robe sitting on the right side, and they were alarmed. But he said to them, do not be alarmed. You are looking for Jesus of Nazareth, who was crucified. He has been raised. He is not here. Look, there is the place they laid him. But go, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going ahead of you to Galilee. There you will see him just as he told you. So they went out and fled from the tomb, for terror and amazement had seized them, and they said nothing to anyone, for they were afraid. The Gospel of the Lord. So today's Gospel, we all know the story, right? Jesus is raised, and we pretty quickly move on at that point to ham, jello. At our place, it's jello in egg form. They're kind of these cool molds that we got several years ago. We start to worry about all kinds of things. Are the, all the napkins ready? Did we verify the reservation? There's a sense that the story is over, like a lot of great stories. And they lived happily ever after the end. What's at noon? It's kind of how we approach this story. But that is not the gospel text that we get this year. We have a three-year rotation of these readings, and this year we get the one that I love, the one that everybody hates. <laughs> it is the text where there is, you might have noticed, no Jesus to begin with. We have an empty tomb. Now, I'm guessing that many of you have been to funerals before in your life. You've perhaps gone to the cemetery afterwards and seen where the body has been laid. And if you came back a week later and saw that the grave had been opened and it was empty, most of us probably wouldn't leap to resurrection as the first option <laughs> as to what would have happened. Second, maybe third option, but not the first one. The police have been here. What's going on? The text for today is even more dramatic in the Greek than we get in English. There are two words at the end. For terror and amazement had seized them. In the Greek, traumas and ecstasies, trauma and ecstasy seized them. And they said nothing to anyone because they were afraid. Now, they must have said something to somebody. Otherwise, we wouldn't be here this morning. But there is a moment in this story that doesn't allow us to say, and they lived happily ever after the end. 
There is a moment of silence in this space, a moment of taking everything in, a moment that invites us to the tomb this morning. It's interesting, if you look in the Bible in your pew at the end of the Gospel of Mark, the early writers hated this ending as well, and they fixed it about six different times, all footnoted in there, so that Jesus shows up, he talks to the disciples, so that we can say the end and put it behind us. But it's not the end. It's not behind us. It is today. It is now. It is here. And that, I think, is the trauma and the ecstasy of this story. That moment of silence that brings us in. I think another part of the story that we miss a lot is what brought us to this place. Jesus has been executed by the state for treason. People are showing up in the garden to honor his body, but you can imagine that they're looking over their shoulder, wanting to make sure there aren't people in the bushes taking down names and descriptions. They're fearful. Their concerns are who's going to roll away the stone, the traumas of this life. But we come to the tomb this morning with our traumas as well. The hard spots in our lives that we need help with. The women showed up at the tomb and their burning question is, who's going to help us roll away the stone? But in the silent hours of the night when our eyes will not close and we're wondering who is going to help us with it may not be rolling a stone. All of our lists will be different, but there is this profound sense that we need help. That's how we show up to the tomb as well. We kind of move through life between these two rails, between the trauma and the joy, the ecstasy, trying to keep some sense of balance in the mix and we don't always know what to do with it. I think that's how we find ourselves at the tomb as well, right? This sense that it's empty and, and, and now what? What do we do with that empty tomb? There's confusion. We don't know what it means for us. There are all kinds of explanations running around in our head that we can't prove or rely on or trust, and it comes quickly to faith, which makes us uncomfortable, right? We don't like trusting our lives to things that are kind of mushy like that. And yet as human beings enmeshed in this trauma and ecstasy, aren't we always in that mushy stuff? If it's not faith, it's it's love, or it's grief, or it's art, you know, all those unimportant things in human life. Or should we say the, the core things 
of human life. As you hear this strange good news this morning of women showing up at an empty tomb, traumatized and ecstatic at the same time, confused about what they're supposed to be doing or what they are experiencing, in some ways maybe in muted tones or maybe not, that's where we are. And so we too hear the voice of the young man calling from the tomb. He's not here. He's been raised. There's work to do. The story is not over. This story is not over. Your story is not over. There is a story to be tell, told, and it is for everyone. And so as we celebrate today, be mindful of your place in this story. And the news of this event that continues to roll out through the centuries, through the miles, through the generations, and ask yourself how you might respond as well as we stand here at the empty tomb. Amen.